What up, everybody? Welcome to Feeling Free with Harry G. Got my boy Joshua Mott on here with me today. Hey. How you doing, Josh? I'm fantastic, bro. We're about to get into some things. Some stuff and some things. Alright, Josh. For the first one. Describe who you are. Um... I'm a 35-year-old male. I like long walks on the beach. Um, <laughs> uh, I am your friend, uh, a father, a son, a brother, uh, a person. That's who I am. <laughs> what are some good things you have going on in your life? I got a lot of good things going on in my life. Uh, one is... My job, uh, I have a pretty good job. I get a lot of respect at my job, and they're giving me um, a promotion pretty soon, hopefully. they supposed to, been supposed to. Um, I'm in the process of getting custody of my son back. I have custody of my other son. Uh, he's started the fifth grade, and I have my animals that love me, and I got my friends. Debatable. Debatable, yeah. <laughs> they love everybody. What is your biggest accomplishment so far? <clears throat> my biggest accomplishment is my kids, or my kids. Um, I uh, had some trouble with my first son. Uh, my second son has been a, a blessing because he kind of saved me from a downward spiral. But, yeah, he's my three-year-old's my best friend. And uh, my 12-year-old can't stand me, but he's a preteen, so it is what it is. <laughs> it's true. What is your biggest disappointment? My biggest disappointment would probably be my marriage. Uh, lost a lot of uh, feelings for someone that I cared a lot about, and I learned a lot about myself, though. So it actually it was a it was a blessing and a and a curse in the same thing, in the same time because I uh, I learned more about myself in the last year than I've known about myself in thirty five years. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah. You live and you learn. What is one thing that you change about yourself? One thing I would change about myself is my hot temper. Um, I'm quick to go off, but uh, I'm also... I've worked a lot on uh, trying to walk away from a situation and, and calm down first, but uh, I'm st I still got a hot temper. When people piss me off or if I think something's not right, I'm going to speak up about it and I don't think about what I say before I say it so I'm going to change that can you hear me yeah All right. hear me too now good. we're going to discuss family and upbringing how was your childhood <clears throat> um my childhood was good uh I mean everybody's got their struggles or whatever but I was a spoiled kid um I got whatever I wanted whenever I wanted it. I was My parents had me when they were 40, so there was like two generation gaps between us. So we didn't really um, see eye to eye on a lot of things, and they didn't really understand anything that I was going through. But they uh, they made good money, I guess, and they, they bought me whatever I wanted. They tried to buy, tried to buy me out of being bad. Um, I spent a lot of time trying to find myself and other people, so I hung out with older people. Um, 
everybody, all of my friends were older. So when I was like 12, I was hanging out with like 16 year olds. Like, uh, my mom, my mom and dad were were older, so like they would go to sleep at like eight o'clock, and we'd party at my house because they'd be asleep, and we could do whatever we wanted. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a it was an eventful upbringing. Um, I did a lot of dumb dumb stuff. I uh, I learned a lot of lessons the hard way, and I did a lot of stuff that I'm not proud of now. But everything in my past kind of made me who I am today, so I don't I wouldn't take it back. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did a lot of things the hard way. That's <laughs> <laughs> putting it lightly. <clears throat> what is your relationship like with your parents? My dad was a Marine in uh, Vietnam. He joined the Marines when he was like 18. And uh, he did two tours in Vietnam. And he was there for like two or three years. And they wanted him to go back. And he, he kind of quit. And he said, no, I'm not doing a third, a third one. But uh, my dad's what you would say, I guess, uh, he's emotionally unavailable. He, um, mm-hmm. the war kind of like really messed him up. Like there's, like I've, I've been to counseling with my dad, both my parents actually, I've been to counseling with both parents, but my dad specifically. And one thing that he's never talked about is that war. And he's just, uh, he's very, he's very quick tempered and not as, I'm not as bad as he is, but he's quick tempered and he's, um, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> He's quick tempered and he's just uh, he doesn't he doesn't hold back like he just but he was never really I think he tried to be a dad as as well as he he knew how because he didn't really have his dad around or anything but mm. he tried like he tried to be there for me but once I turned thirteen dude I was I was a, a hellion like and he just yeah. by that point he just kind of I don't know he was just the he was the bad cop my mom was the good cop and it was yeah. that's how it kind of worked yeah I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> Are you closer with one? Oh, yeah, right. I'm a mama's boy, bro. <laughs> mama's boy all the way. Uh, my mom has spoiled me rotten to the point that it's it's uh, it's been unhealthy for a long while. Not now, but like when I was a teenager and stuff, man. Like it was it was unhealthy. Like, mm. uh, yeah, she would she would vouch me for, like it wasn't her son. It was everybody else. So. <laughs> she just, yeah. Um, she still do that. She still does that, but she's getting better about it. Like we have a, I'm I'm more mature now, so I'm able to to, to like I see my mom's stuff, and I'm like I'm able to like kind of deflect it, I guess right. a little bit. So I, I let her be her because I, she's seventy six years old. I'm not gonna change her, ever. <laughs> so all I can do is kind of just do my best to deal with it. And but she's 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 trying. If you could tell Missy Lane something that you never told her before. What would you say? Um, I mean, she did her best. Mama tried. <laughs> she really did. She she did the best she could. Uh, my mom was in an abusive relationship before she got with my dad to the like to the point that she had to pull a shotgun on this dude because he was gonna beat her to death. Mm-hmm. But uh, she's uh, she tried, dude. Like, she did the best that she could. Like, she didn't understand anything that I was going through because my mom grew up in the '60s, and the mm-hmm. '60s and the '90s were like two totally different things, right. bro. <laughs> And she just, like, she didn't get it. She didn't get drugs. She didn't understand, like, any of that. Like, how could you do that? Like, there was, so I found my escape in older older kids that, like, understood what I was going through. But they were doing the same shit that I was doing. So it was, it was difficult. But she tried. Mama tried. <laughs> She's bad, bro. <laughs> no, the cat making that sound like, yeah. <laughs> She's in there. <laughs> She's a purr. <laughs> Lucky cat.
You were also a father to two. Mm-hmm. How has fatherhood been for you? Um, I had my oldest son when I was 23, 22 or 23. I think she got pregnant. Um, I wasn't ready to be a dad, dude. Like, um, I really, I wasn't ready. I was not ready at all. Um, I wasn't done partying. I wasn't done, like, I just, I was, I was a rebellious 20-something-year-old, too. <laughs> because I just, I couldn't, I couldn't find my place, I guess. But, um, my mom actually, <clears throat> my mom actually raised Caden, uh, as much as I did. Because, like, I could, I could leave him at my mom's and go do whatever I wanted to do. Um. So, she had a big part in his life, and it's, it's actually, like, created a problem now. Because, like, it's, it's become, like, it's come, it's become toxic, I guess. Because mm-hmm. she's, she's, she acts like his parent, but I'm his parent. And, yeah. So, it's, <laughs> it's a complicated situation. But, uh, I, when I, me and Caden were, were, like, friends growing up. Like, we, we, I, w- I wasn't really a father to him. Um. My second son, um, I was there from... For everything, like, um, we were best buds, like, I, I helped with everything, I was there for the whole pregnancy, like, I actually became a father for, and it sucks to say this, because, like, I really, I, I feel bad for it, but I just, I wasn't ready when I had Caden, I wasn't ready to be a dad, and me and Caden get along great now, like, for, for him being a 12 or 13 year old, but it just, it's different with Lane, because I've been a father to him the whole time, like, it's been me and him, right. his mom, and it just, it's a little bit different, um, I can see the mistakes that I made with Caden in Lane, um, like just not see that not see them in Lane, but see like how to correct them and not end up with the same problems that I've had with Caden, um, mm. and just Lane changed me. He did. Um, he's all I. He's he's my main motivation for everything. Everything that I do yeah. is for Lane. Like I try to better myself every day for Lane and Caden, but Lane just he's he's a special kid. Um, he just. He was, he was, I had Lane right when I needed him. Because mm. if it wasn't for him, I'd have probably went down a whole different path. Yeah. And he, he saved me. He did. Do you think Caden noticed, like, the things from that era? Um, yeah. Dude, Caden came to um, see me in prison one time. Caden like, was seven. Caden's 12 now, so about five, six years ago. Yeah, Caden was six or seven years old, and, uh, he came to see me while I was in prison in boot camp, and uh, like he knew he knew something was up, but um, uh-huh. but he also knows that uh, like even his mom tells me to this day that like she's like you're always there for Kate, like if, no matter what, if you're always there for him, and that's 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 true. I wasn't there for him like as much when he was a toddler and stuff like the the age lane is. That's what I missed with Caden. I missed Caden's toddler years and the things that I'm experiencing now with Lane. So that's um, the difference. Like me, me and Caden have been amazing since he was like five until he is now for the last seven years. But for those first five years, I just I wasn't there as a father, so I didn't get to experience that with him as much as I'm experiencing it with Lane. So that's that's the mm. difference. And it's not like that. I, I love Lane more. It's just I didn't experience that with Caden. Right. So. If you can name a time, what was the best phase in your life? Honestly, the best phase of my life has been the last the last few years, just because I've I've learned so much about myself. Um, I've always been really confused about a lot of stuff. Um, I always tried to escape from my feelings, I guess. Um, but these last few years, I've really like kind of looked at myself and learned some hard hard lessons. And 
found out things about myself that I've been messing my life over, like, trying to hide. And it mm. just, so I'd say from about 32 to 35, I've grown substantially. <laughs> so, yeah, mm. right, right now. Right now is, is the best version of me that I could ever think of being. Because before, I just, I wasn't who I am right now. And everything before made me who I am right now. But right now is, like, where I've actually, like, applied it and learned it and learned from, mm. learned from my mistakes. Because I've... You can learn from your mistakes and still not change your behavior. Right. Um, but I've actually like attempted to change my behavior, and I, I feel like right now is my favorite. What would you say was the worst phase of your life? The worst phase of my life was from the ages of 20, 25 to 30. Um, I was in a, a toxic, toxic relationship. I was doing hard drugs a lot. Uh, just everything that I was doing was about dope and getting high and just it wasn't I wasn't really I wasn't, it wasn't a life it was uh, more of a trying to survive and not die I guess mm-hmm. thing so it was that's probably the darkest and the worst phase of my life yeah what are some things that make you the happiest my kids um I used to always everything was always about me um even when Caden was young, everything was still about me um, until he got a little bit older. But now it's everything is centered on my kids. So mm-hmm. like everything, every decision that I make is centered on them. So I don't want to be saying I'm a people pleaser, but my kids' happiness is what my happiness depends on. It really does. Right. So if, if I'm doing the best that I can for them, even if I'm not with them at the moment, and I'm doing the best that I can and doing trying to do better for them, then I'm I'm doing a good job. So my kids make me happy. And this cat makes me happy because this cat is cool. <laughs> she's weird, but she's cool. <laughs> what are some things that get you down? Some things that get me down. Um, unnecessary stress. Uh, I'm 35 years old, and I'm just now going through my first divorce. And, dude, like, just... Knowing that somebody loves you and knowing that you love somebody and just to watch, like, y'all get to the point where you're, like, just trying to hurt each other, mm-hmm. it's, like, one of the most draining and just, <laughs> like, depressing things that you could ever go through. But, um, I, uh, yeah, so definitely, definitely divorce. <laughs> Why do you think you reached that point? I think I reached that point because I, I got distracted um, I was worried about things that I shouldn't have worried about. Um, people, I feel like people, especially my wife was young. I met her young. We started dating while she was young. And people people change when they get older. Mm-hmm. And I think that we just kind of grew apart. Maybe we were both bad influences on each other at one point, And it just, it just kind of deteriorated quickly. Like, it was like love one day and then hate the next. It was rough. <laughs> so, yeah. Now we're going to talk about drug addiction. Oh, Lord. I know you went through some struggles <laughs> with that. And from a young age, and you battled it throughout life. So I want to ask you, um, how did you start the problems that it caused? And how is the road to recovery? All right. Um, well, you can see right now that I'm not recovered that much because I, I drink. <laughs> but... <laughs> But let me tell you, let me, all right, um, 
I started using drugs when I was probably 11 or 12 when we started smoking weed for the first time. Um, like I told you, I always hung out with older people. So all my, my friends, all their cousins were older, and, like, we would just... I was doing things at 11 that most kids aren't doing until they're, like, 20. Yeah. And it um, it escalated quickly. Like, we started doing X on the weekends. Like, anything, we, like, we get our allowance and spend it all on drugs. <laughs> like, it was that's just what we did in high school. Um, serious. <laughs> we would trip every weekend. Like, it was it was nuts. Like, we would, anything we could get our hands on. And it wasn't even like we were, like, addicted to one specific thing. We were addicted to feeling different. Um, any drug that we could get, we would fucking do it. <laughs> um, when I was sixteen, I uh, I was kind of a little. I was a little street smart when I was I was younger. Um, I went to a doctor and I kind of knew what I wanted. I wanted I wanted Xanax, and I, I pretty much like preached this dude my story and like told him whatever he needed to hear, and he gave me Xanax. And I was in. I think I was a sophomore in high school, dude. And when I tell you that, like, this dude wrote me. Xanax, and then he upped the milligrams. Like, I, I played him. I mean, I think it was a mutual thing, but when I tell you that, like, I don't remember my sophomore and junior years of high school. I really don't. Like, I don't. Um, mm. it, was, it was so bad that I was eating so many pills that I just I forgot, like, years of my life. Um, that kind of progressed. Uh, while everybody else was in high school looking for, like, their careers and what they wanted to do and stuff, I was, I was getting high. So it kind of kind of stunted my growth I guess a little bit because I spent all of my 20s like just getting high and um I was I didn't have any motivation like my only motivation was to get enough money to get high and, and that was it and it was failed relationships it was whatever like it was everything was centered around drugs like if it was a relationship that I was in and I liked it it was going good because we had drugs if I didn't have drugs or something or if I was doing drugs too much then it ended the relationship like everything in my life that was going downward was because of drugs. Um, I'm 35 years old. I've completed juvenile drug court. I've completed adult drug court three times. Um, I've been to boot camp at Lane Hunt Correctional Facility. Um, I've been to 10 rehabs, uh, 10 rehab, rehab 10 times, seven different rehabs um, from New Hampshire to California to Mississippi to Florida to like, I just, my parents, my parents would my parents and the court, I would get in trouble. They would ship me off to like go send me to get fixed to a, to a, mm. to a rehab or something. Like they would they would think that I'm gonna go there and there's gonna be some kind of miracle cure and I'm gonna come back and I'm not gonna want to do drugs. And that wasn't the case because every time that I would come back, I'd hang out with the same people. I'd do the same things. I would. Um, what the only thing that I focused on was drugs, and it took me a long time. I've had several relapses. I've had several like just. It always it would always resort back to drugs, but in the last few years, um, that that hasn't been the case. Um, I uh, I finally I don't know if it was I don't know if it was just Lane, or if it was me get me almost losing Lane, to I don't know what it was, but something just clicked, and mm-hmm. I I quit I quit using. Um, I haven't done any drugs besides beer, and I smoke weed. Um, that's it. Like I've. I have no desire anymore. And it's crazy for me because, like, my whole life I was told that if you don't go to NA or AA, you're not going to get clean, you're not going to get sober. Um, I could, I dude, I've tried since I was 16 to, like, to, to fake it till I make it. I, I just, it, it feels like a cult to me, almost almost like religion. Um, but it just, it, uh, 
it, it never it never fit me. I was always being somebody that I wasn't. Yeah. And when I when I found out that like I didn't have to use to to escape from things, like I've felt more feelings in the last three or four years than I've felt my entire life. And that's because I would numb those feelings out and not want to feel them and think that I was doing something good for myself, but it would always lead to a downward spiral where I would lose everything that I had. I would build everything up and I would tear it all down, like just every time. Mm-hmm. I've built a life for myself three or four or five different times and torn it down every single time over drugs. And it's because I get complacent and bored and I I just I feel like I need something. But that's not the case anymore. Like my um my son my son drives me. Uh, both of them now because I mean they I do what I do for both of my kids. Yeah. But Lane just especially just because of the situation that I'm in with his mom and um I just I just want to do good by him and Caden and he's he's my motivation to keep doing good. Are there any drugs that you have in Charlotte? Not a single one. <laughs> Which one do you think was the worst? Heroin. No doubt about it. Uh, wait, no, no, no. no. Um, heroin, because I started using a needle when I started using heroin, and that's just, that's a whole different, it's a whole different ballgame. Um, um, but Xanax is probably the worst, because, uh, dude, when I tell you that I've, I've wrecked seven brand new vehicles, I've, uh, I've been to jail countless times, stolen things from my friends like I've lost <laughs> whole relationships like I've helped I've stolen my friend's wallet and helped him look for it on Xanax so. <laughs> yeah dude I'm telling like that's what I was like and it, it it's crazy because like it's as soon as it enters my body it makes me into a completely different person and I black out yeah. and it's every time like there's no like I take it one time and I have a good time and then the next time and it's like bad no it's every time dude and it took me it took me like 10 years of trying it like Every once in a while, just to to make sure that I still couldn't do it, to like really see like I really can't do it, and Xanax was just because it's what started me on the path to keep doing drugs. Because the doctor prescribed it to me when I was sixteen, I had them. People liked me because I had them. Like, and it was a good time. I don't remember any of those good times, but and I just because it, it works. The reason that I have I've, since I was 12 or 13, I've struggled with anxiety and depression. I've been on medication since I was 12 or 13. And the reason that people get addicted to Xanax is because Xanax works. Like, if you're stressed mm-hmm. or you're anxious and you take one of those, dude, you're not anxious no more. But it works too well. <laughs> like, you can't, like, that's why you're not supposed to be on it for long periods of time. But, dude, I started taking them and, like, I just, I didn't want to feel, like, no more. Because it, it, that's what it does. It takes away all your feelings. And it makes that you, like, like, you have no inhibitions whatsoever. <laughs> that was like when they when I went and I think we were staying with each other and I went to the hospital and um they told me I had anxiety and it was like oh we'll give you Xanax but I didn't take it remember cause I was like all I thought about was that night when I took it at that festival and <laughs> I don't remember nothing nothing and like, I was like what I was like what when did this happen <laughs> and dude seriously people will be telling you like your whole night like all this stuff you did and you're like what? <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, I bought dude. I bought thirty dollars shirts. For yeah, all for the everybody. On the line. <laughs> and I checked my bank account and I was like, "What the fuck yeah, is?" Yeah, dude. Yeah. But um, when it comes to like, I'm not gonna pretend that I'm like I'm perfect because I'm not. Um, I just recently started quitting smoking weed because I have to, but um, I've never had a problem with alcohol. I can drink a few beers and I'm fine, but I still don't drink unless I'm at my house. Or if I don't have to, like, I, I'm, right. I'm more careful now. 
And I, I just, um, I don't need alcohol when I wake up. Uh, I do it socially. If it becomes a problem and I don't do it socially, then I'll have to address that. But I'm pretty sure that I will never do dope again in my life. Never. Yeah. There's, there's not a doubt. How is that? Desire. Like, how does that feel to willingly put a needle in your arm? Uh, let's see. Um, well, when it, when it gets to the point that you're putting a needle in your arm, you're, you're beyond reasoning. You're not like, you're not thinking like, uh, if I put this needle in my arm, then I might get whatever, or I might overdose. It's to the point that you're putting the needle in your arm to like not be sick. And when Um, you're doing dope for that long, like you're not getting high no more. You're just literally spending all your money and going to get this dope just so you don't get sick. And it's, it's, it becomes like a downward, it's a, it's a complete downward spiral because it just, it deteriorates so quickly that like once you start putting a needle in your arm, like you got a few months and it's, it's going to get bad (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it just, there's no, there's no way around that. You got married last year and you also split up. Can you tell me a little bit about that whole journey? Um, I met Kylie when I was, I think, 28 or 29 years old. We both worked at Crossgates. Uh, she was young. She was 18. We, uh, we started talking about music and stuff. And, like, I didn't, I don't know if I didn't even question how old she was. But uh, right after we started dating, one of the ladies in membership told me to come to the office and asked me if uh, I knew what Kylie's grandpa did. And I was like, what? And she was like, he's a ex- he's an FBI agent because he still was an FBI agent at the time. And I was like, uh-huh. what? And this dude like ran a background check on me and everything, but they still let me date her. But uh, me and Kylie kind of like kicked it off pretty quickly. And she started staying the night at my house. And when I tell you that like she just never left, she never left. Like yeah. she started coming over and that was it. Like we were together. Like uh, we, had a, we had a pretty good relationship for the most part. Um, because drugs were involved uh, later on in the relationship, but kind of really messed it up later on. Um, but before that, like, we did everything together. We, we went to concerts together. Um, she, I guess she was young, so she was kind of looking for herself, and she found that she liked the things that I liked, and uh, we just, we, we did, we clicked, and uh, we just, we had a good relationship for a while, and then... Uh, Kylie had some problems with my first son's mom, and it kind of started a whole little war between them, and everything kind of went downhill after that. Uh, the reason that me and Kylie really got married, I mean, we were we were engaged for like two or three years, but the reason that like we really got married in a hurry and got a quick wedding and a cheap wedding was because in order for her to be around my oldest son, Caden, we had to be married, or like, because my, my first son's mom was trying to make it to where like I couldn't see Caden if Kylie was around. So Kylie tried to fix that, and we, we got married just to... Because if we're married, then like she couldn't keep Caden away from me because she's my wife. So we did that, but as soon as we got married, dude, like, uh, me and Kylie were together for five years, and then within nine months of us being married, like it was done. Um, I relapsed a couple times, uh, not on dope, because I'll never do dope again, but uh, on speed. Uh, I did some stupid shit. Uh, she couldn't forgive me, and it just, uh, it was a toxic relationship. It turned very toxic. Um, the greatest thing that I've ever received is my son, uh, and I got that from, and honestly, I'm, I'm 35. The best five, six years of my life were spent uh, with my with my wife, like they mm-hmm. really were, because we had fun, dude. Like, uh, it got bad at times um, towards the end, um, but yeah. 
some of the best times I've ever had were with my wife. Because, like I said, for yeah. the 20s and my, my, my late teen years, I was doing dope and being stupid. So it was uh, the first time that I actually had, like, a real family. And it, uh, it, it, it went downhill quick, though. <laughs> Don't get married. <laughs> Never get married. <laughs> Don't do it. <clears throat> There's some holes in this house. There's some holes in this house. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, now we're going to get into some social issues. All right, I can dig it. There's a lot of race issues going on in the world right now, from sports, politics, whatever. What is your take on all of that? Um, all right, so I was a spoiled little rich white boy, but um, my mom was the principal of a predominantly black school. So all the kids that I grew up with like from a young age were all black. Um, my principal? Yeah, your principal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I just, uh, I never was, I never was, I never saw color, dude. Like, I, I just, uh, black people have always accepted me, and I don't know if it's just my personality. I don't know if it's how I come off to people, but I've always been able to, to, to be able to switch up. Like, I could go from hanging out with my white friends to hanging out with my black friends and just, like, adapt very quickly. Yeah. And a lot of people can't do that. <laughs> right. And um, I just, I've never seen anything about, I've seen, I've seen more horrible Caucasian people than I have ever seen horrible black people um, or Indian people or just the, most of the people that I have encountered in my life that are what I would call um, just not good people were white. And um, mm. I just... I think that there's been so much deep-rooted racism in every aspect of everything in American culture and in, in any culture, really, since the beginning of time that it's just it's hard to get rid of it. When people are finally standing oh, yeah. up for it, there's always going to be backlash. And there's always going to be people that like don't think that their ideals are racist, but they are. <laughs> and right. It's just like any kind of politics, man. Like my mama always told me, you don't discuss politics, you don't discuss religion, and you don't discuss race. Like that's three things that you don't discuss. And mm. it's because people have so their their opinions on it are so so deeply rooted that you're not going to change anybody's mind. So I mean, you can you can. But it's like <clears throat> without having a conversation, you can't even attempt to change someone's mind. You're right. You're right. Um. I kind of mean like the idealists, like the uh, oh, yeah. the Antifa aspect, like the the people that like have their they're dead set on what they believe, and there's nothing you can say to change it, and it's they're they're always gonna clash, like they're not gonna like come to some understanding. Right. There's gonna be the people that hate it, and the people that don't hate it, and the people that support it, and people that don't support it, and you're either you're you're either like like me that I just I've realized there's things that I can't affect, I can't change, um, and there's some things that I can. And me worrying about the things that I can't change is not going to help me in my everyday life with my kids, with my family, and that's what's important right. to me. And I just, I see people on Facebook, like, dude, I, I'm almost to the point where I want to delete Facebook because Same. it's just, everybody's, like, so divided, and, like, it's always, it's people losing friends, and it's people, like, saying, oh, if you don't agree with me, then I don't, then I don't want to be your, like, it's, it's so stupid, like, it's, right. you're literally being divided, you can see it happening in front of you, and you're just going to feed into it and not do anything about it. And it just, mm. I like Snapchat because it's mostly people just being stupid. That's like, but um, <clears throat> with Andy, Stephen brother, when he told me like, 
oh, you helped change my views on this. So it's like, the conversation works, but then sometimes, like, even where I'm at now in my life, I am 30, and I heard the stupid shit. I've seen the stupid shit. It's like you always wondering, like, do I need to, like, hit somebody? No, they won't solve nothing. Do I need to be calm and try to talk to them? Anything got all these solutions. But now I'm like, um, I don't want to be, I don't even want to educate nobody no more. Because I'm like, even if you do want to change, you have to want to educate yourself. Exactly. It's like, it's not my responsibility to be like, oh, Black Lives Matter. Like, if you don't see value in my life or a black life, that's on you. <laughs> exactly. I'm, and you ain't going to change your mind. It, it's not my duty to force to it on you. To make you change your mind. And like, exactly. And they'll, they'll, like, most people will, like, agree in your face, and as soon as you walk off, they're talking about you behind your back. Yeah. So it's like they, they, they put on a front, and it's just, it's, it's so fake to me. I just don't like fakeness. I like focusing on things that I can control and things that I can make better about myself that'll make me a better person and make me right. just more open to people in their stupid beliefs. And the thing that get me is like, um, you can, you can, as a black person, some of them have so much like, aggress, like aggression or whatever, and be justified. But then, they get rid of that temporarily to like, show love to another person. And I did it. It's my own personal experience to where, you, like, soften yourself up and you try to, like, show love and you do whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it's still backfire. And you just, like, what the fuck is it going to take for you to see me as a person? And then I hear people say, like, oh, um, my dad likes this person, but just not anybody else. Right. Or my grandpa likes this person. Yeah. And I got to a point to where I was, like, because you go through a phase where you're, like, well, if they like one person, you could help them change their views on everybody. Exactly. But then you also get to the point to where it's, like, how do you like me, but you don't like people that look like me? Exactly. And you get to a point where you say, like, fuck you. And I go for anything. And character character has a lot to do with it. Because you can, you can preach at somebody all day long to, like, tell all your beliefs and try to get them to change their mind. But, like, words aren't going to do anything, but your actions will. If you're a, a good person, and it doesn't matter what skin color you are, they see that. Like, they, that... You be me being a good person is gonna change somebody quicker than me like telling somebody what to do is gonna do. Right. So if I work on myself and the only thing that I can control in my environment or anywhere around me is me. So if I work on myself and I, I change myself, then hopefully it'll inspire others. But I'm not I know I know for a fact that I'm not gonna have somebody I'm not gonna meet somebody that has the exact opposite beliefs of me and explain my views to them and have them change their mind. That's not how it right. works. And but that's <clears> like me and you getting cold. And you have your views to where you was like agnostic, and then I had my views where I grew up like in the church, right? And we still became best friends, right? And I call you fucking quoting boys in the hood, and <laughs> it's just like so many things. So Ricky! like you, you would tell me about like hip hop music, certain things, and like if it was an artist I hadn't heard, and then but we could still get together and listen to like Leonard Skinner. Or Kendrick Lamar and right. do all this stuff. We're just not going to go to and church together. Yeah. And you get to, <laughs> you look at it and be like, how did this person appreciate my culture? I appreciate his culture. And the world who considers themselves smart people, they let themselves be brainwashed to hate somebody based exactly. off of a color. Off of a color. Exactly. And I do that's I feel the, 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 the most pity for the people that like, the, the Nazi dudes and the, and the KKK dudes. Like, I watched this interview on Vice the other day where this dude goes and interviews these people and they're just, 
racism is literally ignorance. It's 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 making an assumption about somebody before you even meet them. And if there's one thing that I know is that people will surprise you. And if oh, you yeah. if you meet somebody and like you you just judge them apparently like just off of their appearance or how they look or their skin color, like you're not going to get to know that person. And getting to know that person can change your outlook on a whole race of people. Because I mean, if you find this one person that's a good person, it'll make you question like, why do I hate all these people when this dude's like, it doesn't it doesn't racism is ignorance and it's yeah literally ignorance. I do think the silver lining in it is all the old fucks are dying off and. There's only a few young people with that mindset, so at the end of the day, they outnumbered. They are, <laughs> and it's it, these boomers, bro. Like these, bo- these boomers were raised by these racist older white people, and they can't help it. Like they, right. as as much as it sucks to say, I mean, everybody's responsible for their own views or whatever. But like when you're raised in something, you're raised to believe something. Do you know how yeah. hard it is to question that and to like yeah. go outside of that? You have to like, you have to some, something life changing has to happen to you for you to question the, the the beliefs that you were raised to have. Oh yeah, just like what you just said. I remember um, I went to an acting audition, and I probably told you before, but when my sister, my mom was like, she told my sister to come with me, and I was like, why is she going? She don't, she don't act, or she don't have none of that like experience. And they didn't pick my sister after the audition, but they chose me. And when my sister told her they didn't pick them, my mom was like, um, yeah, those racist people have their views. And I remember I got mad because I got picked. Right. But in the end, I realized, like, um, my mom grew up in the era of being told, That's you can't do this, you to. can't do that. So That's exactly she, what thinks, she still thinks that to this day. Right, exactly. My dad's... My dad's 70, 75, 70, almost 76 years old, dude, and um, he was, that's, that's, how he was ra- that's how he was raised, and like, somebody told me one time that you can't, once somebody's set in their ways, especially once they're over like 40 or 50 years old, and they've been living this long life, they've had, they've had all these experiences, there's nothing you're going to say that's going to change them unless they have a life-changing experience that uh-huh. changes their own views, because you're not going to change what somebody believes. All right. Now we're going to get into one of your favorite topics. What are your views on religion? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, um, here we go. I, uh, I was raised devout Catholic. My mom, is, my mom retired and works at the church three times a week. She goes to church five times a week. Like She is Catholic schoolgirl as Catholic schoolgirl gets. Um, I, was, I was raised Catholic... Um, but even from an early age, even I remember being eight or nine and realizing that my dad had my bike that was supposed to be from Santa Claus and his, um, this, this is literally what sparked my question of religion, was my dad had the bike that I was supposed to be getting from Santa Claus in his closet. And for some reason, me realizing that Santa Claus wasn't real sparked some kind of question of, well, then why is Jesus real? And like... People didn't want to hear me ask that. <laughs> they did. They they just, they just didn't. And like, the fact that I had questions and that people were like, shooing me away from asking those questions and like, just saying, "Oh, have faith" or whatever. I just, it sparked something in me that made me question everything that I was ever told. And, um, I just it didn't some it didn't sit right with me. Um, I, I learned later on in life that a lot of things in the Bible aren't. They're not like 
direct. They're not. They're they're parables. They're supposed to be interpreted to mean something else. But still, like the questions that I had about these historical events, they have more um, questions than they have answers, and that itself kind of just turned me against religion. Um, I started listening to music that was uh, not religious. Uh, and it, it kind of like led to my my war path against religion. Um, I just I felt like everybody that I knew was brainwashed. Uh, I just it I really dude I'm t- like for a while like when I first started questioning myself and what I believed and like why I would say all these prayers every night and if I messed up I would have to say like extra prayers. Like it just it sparked something in me to like it gave me a drive. Like I told you that most of my life I spent trying to get high. I would get high and think about why I believed what I believed or what I should believe. Um, and just, the more, I went to a Catholic school for college, and we had to take theology classes. And the more that I learned, and the more that I read, and the more the more things that were brought to my attention, the more I questioned religion. And for a while, like, I wanted everybody to know that I, I wanted, for a while it was my mission to, like, piss people off because if you're from the south and you don't believe in the christian faith you are outnumbered my friend (laughs) okay like people will like unfriend you people don't want nothing to do with you they'll think you're the worst person in the world and for like two or three years i'd be on facebook like bashing religion like i i mean everything that i shared was like atheist memes and like and I'm talking about I had I have family members that still have me blocked on Facebook just for stuff that I would share like and in my thought process it was if I'm seeing this stuff and I'm thinking about it then if somebody else sees it then they'll think about it and it just but people do not want anything that they were born and brought up to believe questioned and that's what I was saying like with my dad like and, and anybody older when they're brought up to believe something the hardest thing you can ever do is question that and when I finally was able to, like, look at it and question it, that's when I started having more questions. Now, today, I'm a, um, I'm a little bit different. Um, I've experienced some things uh, personally, um, especially under the influence of psychedelics. But I've experienced things that, like, can't be explained with just, this is, we're just here and we die. Um, I believe in God. I do, um, but it's not a religious God. It's uh, it's the universe combined karma, like all whatever, however you want to, however you want to say it. There's something greater than us, and it's got us all connected. I believe everybody, everybody on this planet is connected, um, in some way, shape, or form, and um, I believe that there's a, a divine energy. I guess you could say. So I, I'm yeah. not, I'm not atheist. Uh, I believe in the satanic principles, but damn, that sounded bad. Anytime you say Satan, right, it sounds bad. Like, but the satanic principles are, are different. Like, it's it's a uh, it's like the Ten Commandments, but a little bit, a little bit up to date, I guess you could say. I'm not a Satanist. I do not believe in but Satan. Uh, the nine tenets. Uh, you gonna pull them up? Yeah. All right. Hold on. <clears throat> but it's it's more about how 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 to live your life. It's just like the Ten Commandments, but it's it's that's the only way I can put it is it's more modern. <laughs> I'm serious. Look, you're gonna hear these and you're gonna be like, look, that that makes sense. 
alright? It's, it's, it's common sense stuff, watch. <clears throat> okay, here we go. <laughs> alright, and here we go. Basic tenets. Number one, Satan presents, Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. Number two, Satan represents vital existence instead of spiritual pipe dreams. That would be me saying like I yeah. believe in the, all right. Number three, Satan represents undelified wisdom instead of hypocritical self-deceit. Number four, Satan represents kindness to those who deserve it instead of love wasted on ingrates. Number five, Satan represents vengeance instead of turning the other cheek. Number six, Satan represents responsibility to the responsible instead of concern for psychic vampires. That means people that feed off, that means like preachers that get on TV and try to drain people of their money for religion and stuff. That's, that's what that means. Um, number seven, Satan represents man as just another animal who, because of his divine spiritual and intellectual development, has become the most vicious animal of all. Let me read that one again. Satan represents man as just another animal who, because of his divine spiritual and intellectual development, has become the most vicious man of all. Animal of all, sorry. Number eight, Satan represents all of the so-called sins as they all lead to physical, mental, and emotional, emotional gratification. So, number eight combined with um, number one, number eight is... Satan represents all of the so-called sins, which is gluttony, lust, all that stuff, mm. as they all lead to physical, mental, and emotional gratification. You commit those sins in order to fulfill a specific right. need for your body. But number one says, Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. So if you're indulging in something, as long as it's not causing you harm and causing other people harm, right. that's all that matters. Pretty and much like what we do on a daily basis. Exactly. It's just, it's more... But we don't feel guilty for it. Exactly. You, you're not supposed to feel guilty for it unless it's causing yeah. you a problem. Number nine, Satan has been the best friend the church has ever had as he has kept it in business all these years. That's true. <laughs> it is true, dude. Uh, I, the, one, of the first, one of the things that, uh, actually a theology professor told me this, um, one of the greatest inventions the church ever came up with was the invention of Satan. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's literally documented when they created Satan. Like every, every, Everything that the church has in its writings that are supposed to be proof can be questioned. There's no definitive proof of anything. And I'm not saying that um, anybody's right or wrong, and that's one of the things that made me question religion the most, was I didn't understand how this Christian person right here could tell me that um, I, I can only go to, to heaven through Jesus, but my Indian and Hindu friends, my uh, the Muslim friends, like they're all going to hell because mm -hmm. they don't believe the same thing that you believe. Right. And it's... And it's, it's strictly written in the Bible that if you do not receive Christ, that you will not go to heaven. So that's literally saying that anybody that doesn't believe what you believe is going to go to hell. And I just, I can't, that, that doesn't jive with me. It doesn't. My thing is, um, even, there's a lot of stuff that you read about, but um, one of the things I read about was how they have African gods. Uh -huh. And there's so many of them, from like Ocean to all these people. And they have, like, the water goddess and all these saints. And um, I've read that, like, black, black people didn't, in Africa didn't practice Christianity and so they, they came over here. But when they came over here, they were slaves, but they were still forced to, to be Christians. Yes. And um, 
And I asked my mom about it recently, and because how we grew up, it's like hard conversation. Yeah, that's not a and, good um, conversation. Now. And it made her mad, but she yeah. know I'm the child that's that's gonna question stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's gonna keep going. And um, but I wonder now too is because I do believe in God, but I do question like the religion part because I always think if black people do come from Africa and they had their own gods that's dating before BC, then I think. I don't think they should be shunned just for the sake exactly. of what for we their, learned their in beliefs, America. right? Yeah. And I, it reminds me of a, a meme that I shared before. Uh, Ricky Gervais has got some really good. I love Ricky Gervais. He's got some good quotes, bro. And one of his he says that uh, there's 296 <laughs> gods in the history of mankind. But yeah, yours is definitely right. Like, <laughs> it just you can't if you believe one thing, then you're discounting every other thing that anybody's ever believed. Mm. And if you're not open-minded about that, and you can't like look at it and say, "Hey, look, maybe, maybe I don't know everything," and you right. can't you can't be open-minded about it, then you're not getting nowhere. You're really not. And my thing is, um, because I believe in like the God that's in the Bible, but I do struggle sometimes to be like, um, because I question everything. Right, you're supposed to everything, and so it's think like for yourself, I'm always question authority. I think of stuff like, um. People that's Republicans, most of them only Republicans because their parents raised them to be. Exactly. People that are Democrats, only Democrats because their, their parents, parents raised them, them to be. People that are Catholic and Christian, because their only... parents raised them to be. Yeah. If you, and if you want, let me ask you a question. If you weren't born to your mother and father, and uh, your mother, your mother and father gave you up for adoption, and you were born in um in China, and you were raised Buddhist, um, you'd go to hell. Right. And it, it that just the division of it and. The the uncertainty of it is what the Bible's got some good stuff in it. Like it's it's it really does. Like it's got some ma- things that'll make you question all kind of stuff. But when I found out when I went to Holy Cross and I found out that the Bible was put together and certain books were taken out of it that didn't go with the the plan that everybody else had, like they 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 picked and chose what they put in the Bible in order to, to fit a certain agenda. And like, there's still those books that you you can't see. Like, in a lot of a lot of uh, African religions, mm-hmm. use those books that they don't have right. in the Bible. And it's just if you if you exclude everybody and say that everybody's gonna be face certain damnation if they don't believe exactly what you believe, that throws me off right there. Right. And it's just I, I believe that if being a Christian makes you a good person, like like Matt said today. Like if you're a Christian, you have hate in your heart. You're not a Christian, right? Like you can't you can't say that I'm a Christian, but uh, I don't like them gays. Like, right? You're not a Christian. That's not right. what Jesus taught. That's not like and if you use Jesus's teachings to make you a better person, and it makes you to like go out and do good in the world, and you're helping people, and like you're doing the best that you can. I'm all for it. But if you take oh, yeah. that religion and you try to tell me that I'm gonna go to hell because I don't believe what you believe, and that's a little different. And that's like even conversations that with me and Matt. I told you before, like, stuff that Matt said that pissed me off. Yeah. And then me and Matt had good conversations. And he would tell me, like, oh, he wanted Killian to go to Pope. And, right. and that's fine. It was, at one time, he had his views on public school versus private school. And it go back to what we talked about with how you grow up. Exactly. And we was Catholic until I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And then my parents got away from it. And then Matt had his way he grew up. And Matt is like, Matt... Matt don't even belong here on earth. This <laughs> this dude is like an angel. But he after talks we had he understood where I was coming from. Like I was like, bro, just because you send a kid to Pope, they still smoke weed. 
They yeah. still go out and do drugs. Hey. They still party with the no- they party with the North Shore kids and the Slido High kids. Like there ain't no difference. Exactly. You know what they called and them back in my day? It was popos. You got them popos <laughs> coming over there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go to show you that like um, we all the same people. <laughs> exactly. Like I would rather my child go to a public school and smoke weed than go right. to a private school and get drug tested. Yep. Because at the end of the day, a teenager is gonna be a teenager. Exactly. And they gonna rebel, they gonna do whatever. Mm-hmm. And at Pope they they be hair testing those kids and doing all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, I don't want my kid to get expelled from I being do. a kid. Exactly. There's no as a parent, like, you can't you can't make your child not smoke weed. Let me ask you this. If if religion was required to not be forced on a child if kids were allowed to wait until they... Like, you know how kids are allowed to wait until they're 12 or 13 and they can decide what parent they live with? Yeah. If they were 12 or 13, they weren't raised, like, being told that this was the only way, this was, like, the only thing you can do, like, you can't, like, question that. If they were made to wait until they were 12, 13, when they, like, could think for themselves, and they got to choose a religion, what do you think they would choose? Do you think they would... Do you think that somebody that had never been exposed to the Bible would read the Bible and... Be like, oh yeah, that's 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 definitely it. That's what I want. I don't think nobody would choose religion, and the only reason why I said that is because premarital sex. And right. As much as to a diehard Christian, my statement might sound terrible. You can be the most diehard Christian ever, and you haven't sex. You still lusting. You you haven't sex. You haven't and sex. the thing is, like, if somebody harm your family. You're going to break those Ten Commandments. <laughs> You're going to break those Ten back. Commandments, exactly. Yeah, so, and you like, can't pick and choose what fits your, your narrative at the time yeah. to like to say that it is, is, is true. Because like, you can't say, I'm a Christian, I love all people, but this verse in the Bible says that gay people are an abomination. Like, that's, right. that's not how it works. You can't, you, can't, uh, you can't say that something's outdated and then something else isn't. Like right. if It says in the Bible that you can't lay in a bed that a woman's had a period in. Bro, I'm, I'm going to hell. Cause like you, right. but you can't, and it's in the same exact book that it says that homo, uh, homosexuals are an abomination. Eating too much. Eating too much. Anything. All that. Like it's you can't like pick and choose what what you want to do. Like one person can eat too much. One person can lust too much. Us and drinking his. Us drinking his beer. Like yeah, I drink like fifteen beers, and that's gluttony, cause <laughs> it really is. You just and that's what gets me about religion, especially like people like Joel Osteen. Do you know Joel Osteen got? I think he got sued. I know there was a big story about it, but he they they got they he got criticized because he never says anything about hell. He never says anything about mm. any 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 bad stuff that could happen. All he talks about is positive stuff, and yeah. people were getting mad, saying, "Look, like you're not telling these people that if they go do all this these sins and stuff, that they're not going to be forgiven. They're going to hell." And he's like, no, that's not. But but you can't you can't talk about God and not talk about the devil because they're 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 count they're counterparts of each other. So do you believe the devil is real? No, I do not. I believe the devil's made up by the Catholic Church to scare the hell out of people, and it's worked for a long time, dude. I heard a lot of <laughs> people say time. that. A lot of black time. people say that. I think that there's good energy and bad energy, and I think that's where God and Satan uh, kind of evolves from. Um, I think that there's. Because, dude, I can tell you firsthand that karma is real, bro. I've oh. done some bad shit in my life, and I've had some <laughs> bad shit happen to me. Same. But I've also done some good stuff, and I've, like, I've felt the results of karma. And um. that's what makes me kind of like, because for a long time I was atheist. Like, I was diehard atheist. But certain things, like, just they showed me that, like, just 
connections that I've had with people, things that I've seen happen in front of me, um, there's something greater. Um, it just, there's good energy, there's bad energy, and it, it kind of depends what you manifest in your own life and what oh, you yeah. focus on. Because if you focus on bad shit, I promise you bad shit's going to happen. If you focus on good oh, yeah. shit and you, like, talk that shit into existence, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. I remember um, I was probably 19, and I stole somebody's phone out the locker room, and I was at Southeastern. And within, like, three months, I was in the locker room. Yeah. And my phone and my, got my brand new watch. My yep. brand new watch that I got for Christmas got stolen. Tenfold. I I never stole again. Because I was like... Yeah, bro, because it, it's real, dude. I'm telling <laughs> you. Like, you go fuck somebody over, and I promise you, you're, like, about to get, catch a court case, or, like, somebody's going to rob you or something. Like, if you're... Putting, I don't even steal at self-checkout. I just... I feel like whatever <laughs> energy you put out there is what energy you're getting back. And if you go out there putting out, like... It ain't even got to be, like, positive energy, but just, like, don't be a dick. Right. But if you're addicted to somebody, like, all these people... I've been to jail so many times, and everybody in there is always complaining about, like, what these people did to them and what, like, no, bro, you did some shit, and you were in here, and, like, you need to face your own concert. It's not nobody else's fault. And yeah, people just, people focus on the wrong shit. And speaking of jail, my next topic. <laughs> Fuck. You've been in trouble with law enforcement a few times. A few times. So if you could describe some of the times in your life. And um, how they have impacted you. So it's all it's all drugs, uh, dude. I've, I'm I'm serious when I tell you that I've wrecked seven brand new vehicles on Xanax. I like just totaled them. Um, I started. I, I remember my friend. I have tattooed on my arms. Rest in peace, Ryan Patrick Breland. Uh, he was my best friend, but we did a lot of a lot of dirt together. We we used to do drugs, bro, and we would ride around in my car. And like I remember one night. We uh we had a, a ball that flashed blue and red and it looked like police lights, so we like we were riding around in Slidell like pulling motherfuckers trying to pull motherfuckers over to jack them, like barred out like Xanax is a terrible drug, but I mean like and I we tried to pull this one lady over and she kept running from us and I don't know why my dumbass followed her but she, her husband was a cop a Slidell cop and she pulled on the third street bro and like pulled it into the police station and my dumbass followed her. And when I tell you they had, like, 15 <laughs> cops waiting for us, bro, and beat our ass, oh, my God, they beat our ass. But, like, yeah, dude, I mean, just dumb, dumb shit, dude. Like, um, I got, I was in juvenile drug court, and um, I remember me and my friend Nikki used to smoke on the way to drug court, and we'd have people piss for us, and we'd bring, like, bring fake piss in. 16 years old, going into drug court, passing drug tests with fake piss, smoking on the way there. Like, just, I did, I did some dumb shit, man, um, I just, it got, it got out of hand, uh, it got out of hand real quick, and I've had periods of my life, like, I would, I would use, and then I would be clean for a few years, and I'd do great, and then I'd set up this, like, beautiful life for myself, and then I'd slowly start sinking back into it, and lose everything, and it just, it, uh, I remember I was in drug court for the second, adult drug court for the second time, and I had been clean a year. I was on house arrest. And I violated house arrest by going to buy a vehicle. But I had never failed a drug test. I had never missed any meetings or nothing. Like, I was perfect. And, like, drug court's an 18-month program. And once you do a year, you're, like, graduated. But you're just in, the, like, the final phase for six months. And I was, at that point, I was supposed to be going to court for that point. 
and my probation officer showed up at court that morning, and he said, uh, I violated house arrest by going to buy a vehicle and not telling them, and they put me in prison boot camp. Clean and sober for a year, hadn't touched any drugs, alcohol, nothing, sent me to boot camp. I was in St. Tammany Parish for three weeks, and they shipped me to uh, Elaine Hunt Correctional Facility um, on Christmas Day. Uh, it was the shittiest Christmas I've ever had, bro. Um, but I went to, to prison, prison, and they called Hunt's Mini Angola. But, like, dude, I'm talking about, like, imagine boot camp, like a Marine boot camp. But then put it inside of a prison with prison guards. Mm. And, bro, when I tell you, like, this shit, like, we would stand at attention for, like, eight, ten hours, just, like, couldn't move. And I guess I needed to learn patience. <laughs> yeah. But everything that I've, I've put myself through in life has taught me something. Yes, I do. Yeah, I, I do. I do. I do. Bro, it's a, it's, a, it's a struggle. The struggle is real. And, um. Always have to put an extra <laughs> word to calm you down. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just. And it's funny because I haven't been in jail in a long time. Until a couple of nights ago, uh, my ex said some shit that I did that I didn't do, and they came here and arrested me on a misdemeanor warrant and took me all the way to Covington, and it was it was an eye-opening experience because when I got to that place, it was like I was sober. I'm like I'm I'm in my right mind. Um, I got somebody on the way to bail me out. Like I shouldn't be in here, and I just I saw things that I I wouldn't have seen. Previously, if I'd have went to jail, because I I was I'd get caught up in talking to people and talking shit. But this time I was like, dude, yeah, I just I really don't want to come back here, and mm-hmm. it took it, it it was just an eye opener, cause uh, yeah, it was it was something. Bro. I was sitting here watching Ozark, and police came banging on my door and took me to jail, and I ain't been in jail in a minute, and I ain't done no wrong in a minute. Like I really haven't. Like I've been doing pretty good, and to go to jail for something that I don't feel like I did. And have that experience, it kind of it woke me up a little bit more than I was already woke. Did you not feel like you did it, or did you not actually? I didn't do it, no, because he, he came here and he told me, he's like, uh, you busted her window. I'm like, you got some video of me busting her window? Please let me see it. And he's like, we ain't got to show it to you. I was like, all right, take me to jail, because I'm going to beat it, because <laughs> I really didn't do it. Like, if it, I, You can't have video of me doing something that I know I didn't do. So yeah. it is what it is. We'll fight it in court. If she sees this, hi, Kylie. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of talk in a country about defunding the police. Where do you stand with that? Mm, I ate a cookie. Um, (laughs) I don't think it'll ever get anywhere. Um, I mean, I've encountered some pieces of shit cops in my life. I've seen... Police corruption. I've seen. Uh, I've seen it firsthand in my marriage because my ex's grandpa is uh, former FBI, he's former police chief of Hammond, and I've seen like uh, her dad got arrested. Her dad stole like a few bottles of cologne from Dillard's, like hundred dollars worth of stuff, and mm-hmm. I saw this man get arrested. Not saw him get arrested, but he got arrested. He went straight to the jail and he walked straight out the back door. Like I've I've seen people. Mm-hmm. I've seen police corruption in my life. A lot of it. But I've also met some cops that, like, are just really good people. And I think it, it oh, yeah. it's it's with any kind of any kind of anything. Like, there's going to be good and there's going to be bad. And the bad ones are going to fuck it up for the good ones. Yeah. And I think that police are needed in some aspects. But I think that they Definitely. overstep their boundaries sometimes. Yeah. Um, they, they, they do things that they shouldn't be allowed to do. Um, they, they push topics that they shouldn't be allowed to push. Um... 
But I mean, they're they're definitely needed. If we didn't, I don't want pure chaos. I, as much as oh, I yeah. like to say I'm an anar- anarchist, I don't want to see that. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's not worth it. And I remember you used to say that you would be like, I want anarchy, and but then it the reality good, of though. it is, like, you don't. We don't want that. No, much. you don't, because this should <clears throat> be chaos. It would. And everybody think, even I recently researched and found out like defunding means just like allocating funds, but not right. getting rid of the police, like they right. made it seem. But um. I do think that, like, police are needed because you see so much wild shit that go on. Like, if somebody get raped or somebody come do something wild... Exactly. Who you gonna call? When you feel disrespected, you bro, or, like, somebody, like, does some shit to you that you... What's the first thing you think? I'm about to call the motherfucker. Right. You, <laughs> you can't just avenge everybody. Yeah, you can't. Like, and I've had shit, like, even with exes, not even just my ex-wife, but, like, other exes, that, like, I had one ex that would hit me in the face and then call the police on me. Like, mm. say, trying to say that I hit her. Like, I just... It's uh, it's it's one sided sometimes. It never, it doesn't work always work out the way it's supposed to work out. But I mean, they're human. They do their best, oh, yeah. and uh, most of them do their best because that motherfucker that stepped on your boy's neck he ain't do his best. Yeah, and um, it's like <laughs> so. Yeah, the bad ones make the name for the good ones. And that's yeah, and it's how just, it is. It's just like everyday people. Like exactly. you got friends that fuck up in friendships. You got people in your marriage. And you fuck up in your marriage. You got good cops. You got good doctors. You got good teachers. Exactly. It's good and bad and everything. There is. Always. The yin and the yang. Yes, sir. All right, now we're going to talk a little bit about psychedelics. Oh. What are your views on that? Um, I actually just read an article today that said that... uh. Psychedelics can can um can create a year or two's worth of counseling and therapy in one tripping session. And I thought about that and anytime that I've ever done a psychedelic it's ta- either taught me something or it's showed me things that I didn't know I was even looking for. Um I think that there's numerous benefits to any kind of uh, especially like microdosing and stuff because people with bad anxiety or depression like I could I could see where taking this stuff like a little piece of one like I could see where that effect would have a, a, a would have a, a big impact on somebody's mental health and their thinking skills and their thought process um, I think that tripping has made me a more experienced more well-rounded more um, insightful individual yeah. Um I've had some serious trips, bro. <laughs> uh, I've I've seen some serious things, and uh, I just you can't you can't explain to someone what tripping does for you, or to or or for anyone to somebody that's never like even considered tripping. Because I yeah. mean, if you haven't if you haven't gone that route, you can't really understand. Because you can see it on TV and see all the like the the weird blurring and the edits of all like what it's supposed to look like when you're tripping but until you trip you don't know like what the fuck you're getting into and i've just i've never had a bad time everybody has bad trips i guess where you like you kind of but bad trips are trying to teach you something but um i just i feel like i feel like if the world the whole world tripped together we'd just be a whole different place oh yeah you know cuz i i mean just like at Bonnaroo, dude like i've watched <clears throat> i had never heard of lcd sound system and when I tell you that I watched like 25, well, however many people were there, like thousands of people, 
in sync, dancing around together, listening to this music and just vibing together. Like you can't, you can't make something that beautiful. Like you can't, you'd have to experience it. And I could tell you about it all day long, but until you were there and you saw that shit, there's no, there's no explaining it to you. So yeah, I, uh, I highly. Dude, that was such a good bummer. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. I highly recommend the use of psychedelics if you're suffering with uh, depression or anything. Just want to change your mind a little bit. Oh yeah, it definitely has its benefits. And <clears throat> I always like go back and forth with like using it as like a party thing and using it as a tool, like a good tool. Right. Even and even using it as a party thing though, like even going to parties and people eating acid, like you the experience that you go through that night, like even if you're with friends or whatever, like the things that happen to you change you. <laughs> they really do. Like they, they make you see things differently. Cause like I don't even know how to explain it. <laughs> like you just you, you you experience these things for yourself in your own unique way and it it's like it somehow teaches you whatever it was that you were searching for that led you to doing drugs in the first place. Um kinda. And <laughs> you see it's just the way you see things too. Like, um I remember I was looking at my phone when I was like in a in a forest or whatever. Right. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Right, yeah, it's like you you just everything it, it it distorts all your perceptions of reality is what it does. Like it, it makes your hearing, your seeing, your seeing, your 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 cut like it's it's crazy. And it, it distorts what we think we know. Yeah. So when you get that distorted and you're experiencing something from a whole different perspective, it kinda just like it helps you to to reassure yourself that like you don't know everything. Like nothing nothing's as it seems at the time. And right. it makes you see things differently and understand things differently. Yeah, and it make you want to show, like, love more, too. Dude, I'm telling you. I told my ex-wife this, but, like, when we went to Bonnaroo, um, from that point on, it was it's a small change. It's fucking weird that I'm even saying it, but, like, it's a small change, but it worked. Like, since that Bonnaroo, if I, like, go to throw some trash or something, like, I don't let trash stay on the ground. Like, I, I, yeah. will, I will go back and pick that shit up. Like, if I throw some shit and I fucking Kobe it and it doesn't Kobe... I would go pick it up and put it in the trash can. Before, I wouldn't do that. Like, I would throw shit out the car. Like, I'd be finished with a drink, throw it out the car. Like, I just, I don't litter the earth. And I think that psychedelics bring you closer to nature is what I, yeah. is what is a good way to describe it. Like, it, it lets you see things that you've never, like, even noticed before. Remember um, <clears throat> how I kept trying to um, convince y'all to come to Bonnaroo? And we went. And we came back, and it was like... We need to all deactivate social media for yeah, a week. For a week, like it just and, it changed. And my we whole all did. We was like, we was like, we gonna read a book. We just gonna bop. Yeah, each didn't other. miss it at all either, bro. Like it was a stress free week too. Like I just, it just, yeah. Yeah, we was really like, we, we was vibing just, the whole time. Yes. <laughs> and it, yeah, it just it change it it makes it it changes the way you see things and it and the the, the experiences that you have have a, an effect on you and it it works mm-hmm. it does. Speaking of social media. Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing? I think that social media has ruined this entire world. Um, but at the same time, it, it's just like everything. It's got its good and it's bad. Um, I think that <clears throat> the world was a much simpler place before the internet because the only things that people knew as a collective was like what they were showing on the news or whatever. With social media, you have like instant access to everything as it happens right now, mm. and it it changed 
the world. It did. Like it's 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 changed the way people communicate. It's changed the way people see each other. It's changed the connections that people have. Um, because <clears throat> I mean, I'm still friends with on on Facebook like people that I haven't seen since the third grade, but like they still have an opinion on some of the things that I post. And it's just people didn't have that before. And mm-hmm. I think that the way that it's changed the world is like we have instant connectivity. You can connect to anybody around the world. You can, you're more cultured. You see people in their daily lives. But it also like it brings out the hate in people. Like yeah. uh, people, like like I said, I was, I'm seriously thinking about deleting Facebook just because I see people like arguing about things that like you're not going to go in somebody's post that they posted about politi- politics or whatever the fuck it was they posted about and change their mind on the subject. So, like, you're going on there just to either troll them or, like, just to argue with them and hear yourself talk. So, like, it just, it, it divided people. Mm. And um, it connected people and divided them at the same time, if that makes sense. Right. That's how I feel about exactly. that. <clears throat> do you think it's detrimental to relationships? Yeah, I do. Um, I think, first of all, in order to have a successful relationship, you have to have trust and communication. But... Um, before, like, our grandparents, they didn't get divorced and shit. Like, that was not just because it was against religion, but because, like, they just, they stuck with each other. But with social media, you have so many more people paying attention to you. And as humans, we we crave attention. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why Facebook and that shit's so addictive, because you get those likes and you just, you want to you wanna keep getting them. It's, it's almost like a fucking slot machine. Mm-hmm. It really is. The likes are like a slot machine. But it just, it... It makes people distracted from their, their everyday lives and um, it, the things that they should be focused on, like their kids or their, their wife. or uh, And it, it, it makes you crave attention from other people when you could be getting it at, in a healthy way at home. And I think that for, the, for the, the wrong people, social media is a bad thing because instead of focusing on something like trying to fix your marriage or trying to fix your relationship or trying to communicate with somebody, you're more focused on what other people are liking or like you're like, it just, it, it creates more problems than it, uh, than it needs to, than it needs mm. to, I guess. So yeah, I, I don't, I think that it can definitely ruin relationships, no doubt about it. Yeah. <clears throat> what is one thing in your life that you regret? One thing in my life that I regret is, uh, taking advantage of my parents uh like I said they didn't we didn't have a real big understanding of when I was growing up uh they tried their best but I kind of took them for granted Mm. uh I let them uh, I let them allow me to do the things that I was doing knowing that it was wrong uh I hurt them um I betrayed them I stole from them I just hurting my parents is the reason that I uh I try to do better today. It really is. Like, my kids, and trying to just show my mom before she's gone that she didn't do that bad of a job. Like, I just, I want to I make it up to them because I was a terrible kid. Terrible. Like, I just, I sound like fucking Charles Barkley right now. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just. And how have you taken steps to make sure that your children don't do the same to you? Um, I try to lead by example. Um, for a while, I didn't understand that concept. Uh, I go to work every day. I wake up, no matter no matter what, I go to work. Um, and when I'm not at work, I try to spend as much time as I can with my kids. Uh, mm. I just spending time with them and 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 being because my dad was there, but he wasn't really there. So I'm trying to be there and like 
trying to definitely do something different with Lane than I did with Caden. Caden's at a point that he's like 12 or 13, and there's not much I can. I'm there for him. He knows I'm there for him. But he's already set in his ways. But Lane, I'm trying to, to do something a little bit different. Uh, just show him that you can be, you can, you can like the things you like and want to do the things you want to do and still be a good person. You don't have to hurt people to hurt people, hurt people. So you don't have to, to, to fuck people over just to make a name for yourself. You can be yourself and still be liked. And it took me a long time to realize that. I didn't have to be somebody else to make people like me. I could actually be myself and people would still like me. Right. A lot of people go through that, too. They do. How do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as somebody that overcame their struggles, uh, turns nothing into something. Um, I was handed everything at a young age. Uh, I blew it away. Um... I'm kind of learning everything again. I just want people to remember me as somebody that went through some shit and came out on top. Like I just, uh, I want to be remembered as a good person because I mean, I, I, I know myself. I know what I, my intentions for people are and what I'm trying to do with my life. And I want people to see the good in me and not just remember my rap sheet. Mm. Describe your friendship with Harold Gibson. My friend with friendship with Harold Gibson. Um, it's hard to be friends with somebody that ain't shit, but um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think I'm, I first really like start. I met you at work, and I don't think you liked me at first, but you called me and said that you didn't have nowhere to go. I was like, bro, just come here. And from the moment that you moved in to my house in Kings Point, me and Kylie had just, like, really just gotten together. And, like, people were, like, talking shit, like, thinking that we was having, like, a threesome or something, bro. I remember Just because we were so close, like, <laughs> and when you moved in, like, we just, we, we clicked and, like, we became best friends and just, I don't know, it was just, it's always been a, a chill relationship. It's always been, like, if there's some kind of drama or something, we're going to talk about it. It's not going to be, like, some kind of... I'm gonna I don't I'm gonna block you and then we're not gonna be friends no more for a little while. Like it's not none right. of that bullshit. It's just it's always been real. If there's one thing one word that describes our relationship since I've known you, it's been real. Yeah. So yeah, that's my relationship with this ain't shit ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs> now we can play quick game of what'd you rather. Alright. Papa's or Kane's? <sighs> you better not, you mother. <laughs> Actually, if it came down to it, I would rather a Popeye's chicken sandwich than a cane. Yes. All right. yeah. I knew you would come through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unseasoned ass bitch. Unseasoned ass chicken ass bitch. <laughs> would you rather have unlimited money, power, and respect, or unlimited sex? I would rather unlimited money, power, and respect, because with that comes sex. <laughs> <laughs> would you rather... Freeze to death or burn to death? Oh, shit. Um, burn to death. Smash, <laughs> marry, and kill. Who? Beyonce, Britney Spears, Jennifer oh, Anderson. Oh, shit. Um, smash, Britney, marry, Jennifer, kill Beyonce. Because she's the devil. 
<laughs> I thought she liked Satan. <laughs> I do, but like not not Beyonce Satan because she like trying to like drain motherfuckers of their energy and shit. <laughs> All right, smash, marry, kill. Okay. Sean wins from White Chicks. Okay. Rihanna or Denzel Washington. <laughs> Hold on. So this is Sean Wayne from White Chicks dressed up as one of the White Chicks? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Smash Denzel. No, I'm sorry. No. Uh, yeah, no. Smash Damon. Uh, marry Denzel. And then kill the other one. <laughs> you would kill Rihanna? I'm going to kill Rihanna, yeah. Den- it's Denzel, bro. Fuck. Have you seen Man on Fire? <laughs> you still remember the Titans? <laughs> yes. Yes. MDMA or LSD? Whew, that's a tough question. Um, that's too total. That's like asking, do you want apples or oranges? Uh, for the healing benefits, LSD. DMT or LSD? I've only experienced DMT a handful of times. Uh, I guess I'd have to, to, to experience with it more before I made that decision, but right now, LSD. Just because it, it, it's a much deeper and longer... No, it's not deeper, but it's a much... It's a, it's a more uh, controlled experience. DMT is like you go out and like whatever you see is what you see, but right. LSD is more of a... I, th- I feel like you'd be you'd you'd get more therapeutical value from LSD from what I've experienced. Would you rather be healthy rich but suffer from depression, or be poor and happy? Poor and happy, all day. Would you rather sleep over at Donald Trump's house or Hitler's? I'm gonna go by Trump. He got. Trump Towers and shit. They got some nice shit in there. I was hoping you <laughs> The fuck I want to stay by Hitler for? <laughs> Damn. Like, I had to think about that for a second. Like, what the fuck am I going to do by Hitler's house? <laughs> would, you, would you rather good conversation or good sex? Good sex. Would you rather eat chocolate flavored shit or shit flavored chocolate? Chocolate flavored shit. <laughs> I mean, at least it's kind of chocolatey. <laughs> it's fucking shit flavored chocolate. It's going to be chocolate, but it's going to taste like shit. I want to taste shit. <laughs> Stop it. Would you rather not have sex for a year or have it every day but never come? Not have sex for a year. The fuck is the point of having sex without coming? <laughs> Who wants to do that? <laughs> Would you rather listen to old school music or music from today? Old school, all day, any day. Speak to animals or hear people's thoughts? Speak to animals, fuck people's thoughts. Fuck what you thought. Yeah, you thought. You motherfucking thought. <laughs> <laughs> Be emotionless or feel too much? Emotionless. I feel that. Yeah, like, that's too much. <laughs> it don't even sound right. <laughs> feel too much, like, it's too much. <laughs> too okay, much. Too much. Too much. And that's it. Are we wrapping it up? 
Holla. Hey! <laughs>